This is Up for Debate presents The Ballad of Rocky Balboa. Tonight, episode number 183, recorded June 25th, 2020, chapter 6, Rocky Balboa. Who was the greatest? Who was the best of all time? If two athletes from different eras could actually compete against one another, who would come out on top? In one corner, the reigning champion at Mason the Line Dixon. He'll be pitted against the former two-time heavyweight champion, Rocky Balboa. Computer says Rocky Balboa would be triumphant. I think there's still some stuff in the basement. What basement? In here. I think I want to, like, fight. You know, nothing big, small stuff, like locally. What are you trying to prove, Pop? I thought you might want to get involved. Don't you think you're too, you know, old? I think your brain's losing altitude. <laughs> you heard Rocky Balboa applied for a license. You want me to fight a guy that I can beat with both hands tied behind my back? That computer fight got a lot of people curious. Yeah, but I ain't interested in getting, like, mangled and embarrassed. People are going to think you're going crazy. What's crazy about standing toe-to-toe saying, I am? If this is something that you got to do, then you do it. Fighters, fight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Up for Debate Presents... Uh, the podcast that, at least for the time being, is taking a deep dive into the Rocky franchise. I am Sean Jennings, joined by a, a man who I think could win any computer simulation. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Yeah, computer's no match for a good, strong magnet, right? I, I could imagine like you like boxing an actual computer. I, I told you, Sean. I already told you my strategy. I, I would put magnets underneath my boxing gloves. Very that- smart. Once again, and then I could see it falling, you know, like your hands get stuck to it and then it just keeps punching you because you can't move because your hands are stuck to it. I'd be like, damn it, the computer outsmarted Matt. Yeah, it, it, it could it could definitely backfire. But um, I, I think that's the word you probably stand the best chance fighting against a computer. Magnet, magnet, magnetic boxing gloves. That's I'm glad, with their, their circuits. I'm glad you've thought that problem through. Um, Matt, a great episode ahead of us here obviously we're going through the rocky franchise and boy have we hit the fast forward button in time because we've left rocky five and the 90s behind and we're splurging ahead to what was just a great year in pop culture 2006 um i'm now desperately googling things about 2006 um in in popular culture so when i think popular culture in 2006, I think the Black Eyed Peas, were they still, they were a thing, definitely, right? Uh, 2006? That's a good question, as I desperately Google. I want to say at least, at least Fergie 2006. was doing stuff. Yeah, Fergie they were definitely around. Well, that was kind of the wacky thing where they kind of, uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, this is very funny. No, uh, not so big this year. My Humps was number 42 overall that year. So I think I think like 2007, 8 was when you got sort of the I got a feeling years. Um, would you like to guess the number one single of 2006? Just screams everything you need to know about 2006. Uh, semi-charmed kind of life. You're so, you're so far off. I don't know why we do this. <laughs> we right. should stop doing this. 2006. Let's see. Here we go. I'll give you some of the other top 10, uh, including Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake, Crazy by Narls Barkley, Unwritten by Natasha Benningfield, Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, You're Beautiful by James Blunt, Promiscuous by Nelly Furtado. Again, just great quality music. Yeah. 
Uh, Fergie with London Bridge is number 22. Oh, you know what? That that terrible song. The, Just a hot Fergie, garbage song. Um, no, the number one song of 2006 was Daniel Powder's Bad Day. Oh, oh bad day. Yes. Garbage. Just trash. Just trash. Yeah, uh, that was the American Idol song. It was. So this is the height of American Idol. Yeah, a great that was the song they would play when when they would the person would get voted off. A great one uh, hit wonder, yeah. Daniel Powder. Yeah, yeah. Although Late- I I don't know, is did they really have a bad day that day? Because the voting wasn't the voting the voting had been going on for weeks, right? Or was the voting only that night? No, so I don't they would remember how American Idol worked. They would eliminate one person each week, and they, after that person got eliminated, then they would play the song to a montage yes. of them having been on the show. Yes, which I always, I that always confused me because they're it's like them being successful, and then they're saying, "Well, you, I guess you had a bad day the day you got voted off." Yeah, American it Idol. should have been a little more inspirational, I think, a little more, you know, feel good. Also, than... very, very subjective. I mean, who who knew? Who knows if they really had a bad day? They might have been having an awesome day until that moment. That's right, and then, they should yeah, feel I good. They made it that far in the competition. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's right. Um, later on in the show, Matt, we will play the top 10 films of 2006, so don't look, but that's also a very fun okay. list. Um, all right. Hopefully I do better this time. This is all, is, this is the first Rocky that was like premiered in our lifetime. So, yep. I mean, you know, all these movies, knowing. unlike some of the other ones. So, um, that'll be great. But Matt, we're talking Rocky Balboa tonight. Uh, the champ is back and he's old, um, and sad, <laughs> uh, Matt, you've said previously in our series. I wish they put that on the posters. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> dot dot dot. And sad. Champ is back. He's old. He's sad. And Me, he, but he's still rocky. The heavyweight widower of the world. Um, <laughs> now, Matt, you have previously hinted uh, in this series that of your enjoyment of this movie. Would that be fair to say? You know, yeah. I. It's no secret that I. I. I like this movie. Um, for many reasons, I I, I like the approach that um, of going into it and exploring a a world where Rocky is old and wa- mostly washed up and forgotten about. Honestly, like he's really he is very much on the I wouldn't even say the back back burner. He is on the like he's in the fridge now. He's like the leftover, the cold leftovers that they they've stored in the fridge, and society is like. Says, oh yeah, I'll get we'll get to that eventually, but never does. Uh, he's just basically like the like the the scrambled eggs, the leftover cold, runny scrambled eggs of of, of the sports world. Uh, he owns a bar. He owns like a like a little restaurant in in Philly, which is cool. Um, I think that's exactly what if Rocky were a real person, that's a hundred percent what he would do with his time, presuming he didn't die like was originally planned for Rocky Five. Um, he would probably be a yeah a restaurant owner and and maybe appear on ev- the occasional commercial every now and then. Uh, do you do you think that they would actually? Because I I know there was a cameo in the movie with Skip Bayless, mm-hmm. and he says something like, "Oh, you know, Rocky, he he's never, you know, he'll he'll never beat this guy. You imagine him in the ring. He makes some kind of Skip Bayless joke at his expense. Oh, yeah. He calls him like, he calls him." What is he? The 
he calls him something about the something about the the Italian stallion being put out to pasture or so, something like yeah. that. Like, make some kind of Skip Bayless joke. Do you think that it, a real a real real sports talk show would devote that much time to talking about a washed up boxer? Well, but I think is, is boxing that popular? I don't know. So you got to remember, Rocky. Assuming the the film is linear in years. Um, as to when the films were released, remember that Rocky beat Ivan Drago uh, in, what year was that film? 85. 85 to, so that's 21 years later that this fight is happening, okay? If you do the math on that, that would be like a, who were the big boxers of the 90s? This, this is, Ali. I was going to, oh boy. It's, it's, no, that no. would be like, uh, it would be like a, a Vander Holyfield or Mike Tyson coming back and trying to win a fight today. I don't think we would laugh at that. Now, of course, Rocky was already kind of old in the eighties. That's the problem. Uh, but assuming he beat the greatest in the world, then I don't think it would be crazy for that to happen today. You wouldn't think he'd be like a sure shot favorite to win, but I do think this movie setup of he, what at one point they said, it's not an exhibition, it's an execution. And it's like, come on, like don't pretend he would have zero chance. You know? I mean, the dude is ripped. He's fucking ripped in the movie. Did you see his <laughs> yeah, abs? That's, that's something that I never really, I, I, I didn't really buy into in the movie. They, they, were, they were acting like he was frail and feeble. And he wasn't. I mean, he's he's old. He's older, but he wasn't. He wasn't like decrepitly old. I mean, we're talking talking about what, like probably early fifties. Well, I was gonna say 40s? how old. Take a guess. Old, I I looked maybe it up. Maybe sixties. How old do you think? Pick a number. How old do you think Sylvester oh, Stallone I'm go, was? I'm gonna go sixty-two. He was sixty. Sixty. Yeah. Okay. So he was. Yeah. Yeah. It don't totally doable. Totally doable. Uh, he gets the right diet, right training. Yeah. But it was also crazy to me that, and, and this, I did note this. I said, this, this movie works too hard to get Rocky to win because they could have just pitched. Yeah. Rocky's kind of a sad sack, but he's in decent shape. And you know, it's not like he forgot how to fight. He was two time champion, but instead that at one point, Nixon, uh, Dixon, very different. Dixon in Mason one of Dixon. the in one of the early rounds, like he's like, bah, he hurt his hands. Like my hands broke. My hands broke. It's like, don't give him excuses as to why Rocky can beat him. Like he doesn't need a broken hand. Like they were coming up with all kinds of excuses of why it would be even plausible for Rocky to beat him. And I'm like, I didn't I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah. Um that 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 was, I agree. I agree. That was kind of, it was under, unnecessary that they, they set up these like advantages for Rocky. I mean, Rocky's Rocky. Um, Rocky's very introspective in this movie, Sean. It's something that, that I, uh, off the, off the, the, um, I almost said off the court, different, different, uh, different analogy. <laughs> You're different a real sport, boxing expert. Game. He's off the, um, out of the ring. Rocky is a very introspective, uh, older Rocky. Um, he says lines like, "Sometimes I, one of the he's like re being really reflective." And I forget if he's talking to Polly. I think he's talking to Polly. And he says, "I sometimes, man, I don't know. It's like replacing old pain with new pain. It's this just the same pain, 
Uh, I don't know if it's really worth it or something like that. Just paraphrasing. Um, he even says, what does it mean to really, really to fight is another line from this movie that Rocky says to himself or maybe to Pauly uh, talking about what I, I think that I thought that was kind of a cool angle. Like a, he, he's not just fighting anymore. Now he's really thinking about what does it mean to fight? Why, why, why do we do this? Why did I spend my entire career doing this? Why did I put my body through this? And and I think there is a there is a there's a good answer in the end, um, you know, and, and by the end of the film we really really get the the impact that it has on Rocky's life, but also the impact it has on his son's life, and the people around him, the people he's affiliated with. Uh, it's I think it 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 changes their kind of inspires them. It, it's 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 almost like he becomes his own work of art. Which uh, I guess there's an allusion to him the with the the Philadelphia Museum of Art and and the cufflinks going in there, you know how art inspires people, but also uh, Rocky beating the crap out of people and getting the crap the crap beaten out of inspires people as well. I thought in this movie, Rocky had several very good monologues. I, I particularly thought the speech he gave to his son in the alleyway outside the restaurant um, where, you know, I have the quote here, um, just part of it, but um, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done, um, which I thought was an excellent speech. I mean, look, I I'm going to be honest about this movie and my overall thoughts. I've said about basically every Rocky movie we've watched that the boxing was the best part of the movie and you could have killed everything else. I felt the exact opposite for this movie. I wish, truly, there was no boxing scene at the end of this movie. I did not really? want... Now, I liked how they did it in certain aspects. We can get into the details of it. But this was finally the Rocky character I've been waiting to see now for six movies. An actual human being character with true thoughts and feelings. I, I think part of it, and because I have no life, before we did this, I watched some, uh, they did a behind the scenes featurette for the 2006 film um, with Stallone. And he talks a little bit about making the movie and things like that. And I just think by 2006, Stallone is a much more complete actor, complete writer, complete director. Rocky doesn't mumble as much in this movie. He's a little more clear. Um, the, the, I understand the motivations and there's like actual acting going on, which is kind of crazy. Um, and this is like, I love this Rocky. I want to see this Rocky. He, you know, one of the things was that in the movie, Adrian originally wasn't going to be dead a and they decided to kill her. And I'm like, what an awesome angle. Like this is a real person. Finally, he's not just a caricature of a sports guy. He's a real person. And I absolutely love that about this movie. That was by far the best part. I could have cared less about the fight at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah, I I think you uh, I think you hit the nail on the head for me too. The the scene with, with where he talks to his son definitely my favorite scene in the movie. It's a it's a very motivational, probably the most motivational. I would say the most motivational thing in the entire series. Um, it's very very mature and refl reflective of a of a an aged Rocky. 
Uh, it's it parallels the you know his his experience in the in the fighting world with his son's experience in the business world. Like really, um, I guess the son is it, it, the 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 fight that be originally originally begins in a very realistic way with the son um, being upset that he's he's basically living in Rocky's shadow. That well, Rocky's which which was a little bit of a conflict for me on the other hand because. They're trying to play up the the fact that Rocky is not, you know, he's he's kind of not fallen from grace, but he's just he's just been mainly forgotten about by the mainstream. Well, but, but how can you also be living in your father's shadow? I don't know. I I think they sort of split that difference um, because I think they the movie claims that nationally people don't care about Rocky, but he's still popular in Philadelphia. Um, and I think that's kind of how, but like one scene I really liked in the movie, again, subtle things that this movie actually thought about is there's, there is that great scene where, um, it's in the lobby of the office building where his son works and Rocky goes to meet his son and Rocky behind a piece of glass watches as, as the boss yells at his son, um, and then goes up and, and, and meets the boss. And I think, you know, in an older Rocky movie, we would have been hit over the head with it. But I think in this one, it is subtle enough where you're like, you know, yeah, this kid is kind of a, a loser in some respects, but at the same time, he you do understand a situation and how Rocky has to deal with that because he's not used to the business world. He's not used to people yelling at him. Rocky's a boxer. He's a star. And, and I think, you know, he's a nice guy. And I think that that in learning his relationship with his son, I thought it was little touches like that that were very good. And then as Rocky's leaving, he stopped by a dude for an autograph or for a picture, and you see his son kind of roll his eyes, and you're like, okay, this is actually good world building. Shocker for a Rocky movie. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think there's really much of a, a comparison with the other Rocky movies with uh, fleshing out the, the, the conflicts out of the ring. I mean, Rocky V totally had a, a, a very good opportunity to do that with Rocky's brain damage. And we talked about it in that episode um, and his PTSD after the fight with Drago. And they really had an opportunity to explore that. And that, that fell flat on well, its face. But in this case, they, 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 they picked this thread with his relationship with his son. And they, I think they finally follow it all the way through um, well, they, to the point where they both have a good under mutual understanding of each other. But I do think a sort of over-the-top boxing movie also works. I mean, we both, you know, have enjoyed Rocky IV, for example, which is the most over-the-top nonsense sports movie craziness. And that totally works. And this movie did a great job of doing the 180 and like, no, we're going to go serious with it. We're going to deal with real stuff. Rocky is a is a nice guy who just wants to help people. But at the same time, he doesn't – he struggles to to confront conflict and, and where his role is in the world. I mean, I think – I think uh, – Damn, and it's embarrassing that I'm struggling with his name uh, because we've done enough of these I should know. Uh, Burt Young, as um, as Paulie, I think, is really great in this movie. I think this is his best turn acting. A, because his character isn't a caricature of a character. It's an actual person. And B, he has something to do. We see him in his older age. We see him get that scene where it's... I don't even think there's any dialogue. We just It's shot from afar where they sort of hand him the paper and you're like, oh my God, he's getting laid off where a couple scenes ago he said, this is all I have. And then he goes to the bar and you think he's going to flip out and start smashing stuff. And he does a little bit, but then he just sort of goes out to the alleyway. I, I, it's it, That was like really genuinely emotional for a character who has been defined throughout five movies as being a complete and utter moron. <laughs> yeah. I, I even wrote, I said, I, in my notes, I said, Paulie has depth, but is still a problem. 
I wrote that in uh, special regards. I don't know if you caught the line where he went into, the, I think it might've been right after he was laid off. Um, the first thing he says to the hostess when asked, does he have a reservation? Oh, he yeah. says, and I quote, reservation. Do I look like a freaking Indian? But also, so Paulie is the, he's Paulie's the comic so, relief so character. You know, he has and he, he had a few good zingers in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I agree that I, I, what I like about his character is that it, it, it it's if you could draw a diagram of this movie, it's like everybody's it's like Rocky is in the center and everybody around him, his circle. So his Rocky son, Paulie, Maria, who's a callback from an er, the earlier films. Um, they're all like in a circle around Rocky feeding their, not their problems, but their, their conflict. They're, they're feeding their, their conflicts. The, the, the world has kind of spit at them, all of them collectively. And they're, they're basically putting, it's like the, it's like, like the old, you know, the old folklore legend of the golem, like Jewish folk folklore. Of course, I'm like an expert on Jewish. I, I'm an expert on Jewish folklore. Yes, of course. I knew I can count. I already know Sean this, Jennings, but tell it to so the people at home who don't who don't know it. <laughs> so to make to, to, to just to, to to make the the a long story short here, in, the, in ancient Jewish folklore, there's a golem, and the golem is like a was was a mystical creation from a rabbi. It's like a giant stone figure that would protect the people of the community. And what you they figured out you could do is if you wrote in um, in Hebrew your problems and you gave it to the golem, like the golem would, would like find some way to solve the problem. Usually it was like dealing with assholes who lived outside of the village that would be like bothering the people inside the village. Very, very good folklore for um, Jewish people who oftentimes lived in other lands and, and things like that. Rocky was kind of like the golem in this movie. Yeah, like other, the, the people around him, not that they were bringing their problems to him, but they put a lot of trust and a lot of faith in him, and he was more like their champion. Like he would win. Maybe he was, I guess, more like a Greek hero because he he would win the, when he won the fight in the or when 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 the fight happened in the end. We when we'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, a lot of people, I guess, were were using him as a way to channel their own failures and their own frustrations with the world, and. To me, that was very mid two thousands. It was a very mid two thousands thing to do because, in a post nine eleven world, like reeling from the uncertainties, sports was a true escape for a lot of people. And if you and, and a lot of people, you know, funneled their frustrations and their their fears into their, their you know their, their sports teams, and and I think they've been doing that since time immemorial. But just for some reason, the mid two thousands just seems like a perfect time for like we're just going to forget everything all the problems of the world we're going to watch this fight and we're going to cheer for uh, cheer rocky on because he's our champion he's our golem um and that's i think that really it really comes to a head in the in the, in the fight at the end of the of the movie just how much is at stake for for the, the little philadelphia community that uh rocky has surrounded himself with well and that's the that's the difference between this and, and a rocky four which i think are for me anyway, sort of the two contrasts of this franchise so far. Um, you know, when I think about how they came up with the idea for Rocky IV, I just imagine Stallone and a bunch of guys in a room with cocaine being like, oh my God, what if he fought the commies? You know, like just something buck wild insane where they're like, how big can we make this? Um, 
And when I think about this movie, I really felt like, you know, again, Sylvester Stallone had 15 years between Rocky V and this movie to sit and think about these characters. He was He's admitted he was very disappointed with how it ended at Rocky V. And also between, if you look at his filmography and the films he starred in between Rocky V and um, Rocky Balboa was some of both his biggest movies and some of his biggest failures. And so I think he was a much smarter guy this time around. And he talked to himself and said, hey, look. If he were a real boxer, what would happen? A kid who grew up on the streets, a kind of dumb guy, let's be honest, um, who has no business being a rich, fancy guy, who has no business being world famous. He just wants to go back to the only place he's ever called home, open up a restaurant because it's not that hard to do with that much money and go table to table and tell stories, of, you know, the same story over and over to people who've heard it a million times and, you know, do what he can to help his community and just live the best life he can. And it's it's a very real, relatable story. You know, have 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 a wife who's died and a son he he's having trouble relating to, and a changing world he can't relate to. And I I just think it, it, this was really the first Rocky movie that really spoke to that realism. Um, that that makes sense, and I give Stallone a lot of credit because he played it very realistically, and and I think it was a a, a great a great acting performance from him in this. I I really I really I really felt it without it being cheesy. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I, I think that really speaks to the maturity of Stallone at this point as an actor. Um, it, you could, I mean, he, he mentioned in an interview that he only made Rocky five for money, kind of like it was just a, a cash grab. I really wouldn't be surprised if that were the case for Rocky four as well. But, um, the, uh, looking at this movie, it, it seemed like much more of a passion project. I mean, Stallone had already made his money. He was, um, he was, Mostly, I mean, I don't know if you, he wasn't out of the industry by any he, means. We still had the Expendables and we had. Well, but that was yeah, later. He had really, when was the last movie he had made up until this point? Well, the last, I mean, there were, you know, movies that he sort of, the, the last movie he had really starred in as the lead was a direct to video comedy film in 2002. Uh, before that was a psychological thriller in 02, Detox, Driven in 01. Um, really, I mean, the last movie you would have heard of him being in was probably Daylight or Copland, but that was the mid-90s. I mean, he really hadn't been in anything you could point to and say successful um, since back in the 90s. Really? Pro- probably since probably since Rocky V? Um, no. Oh, no, no, no. Because uh, after Rocky V I mean, was... No, after Rocky V was Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, Judge okay. Dredd. I mean, he had a lot in the early 90s because Rocky V was 90. So the, the oh, first sort of five years of the 90s Dredd. was his years. But then after that, he just yes. sort of, you know, kaboom. Uh, it picked a lot of bad yeah. roles. And by the so way, this, this hasn't looks, been in that many great yeah. movies since, uh, you know, when you look oh. at his. And they're all, like you said, the Expendables, the I can't believe two additional Rambo movies he's done since Rocky Balboa. <laughs> um, and then just sort of the generic escape plan grudge match, which basically is a Rocky movie. Um, of course, Creed and Creed two, um, the escape plan sequel, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at my, my notes now and I just want to go really quickly back to the speech with his son where he gives the, yeah, we agree that it's a, it's a great speech, very motivational, um, but the son, the son quits his job that, that, that kind of surprised me. That kind of took me off guard. I was ready for him to 
go go back to his job, not like tell off his boss or anything like that, but go back to his job, work really hard, like like double basically like work his ass off and like get promoted or something. And and like like find some way to overcome the problem. Instead, it seems almost like he ran from the problem because he he quits. I don't know if that was I mean, I know that was like the movie wanted him to express a change and it's a very small nitpick, but I probably would have had him been like, guess what, dad? I got that promotion that I, I've, I've been having my eye on since like the, you know, since I started or something like that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think that's more of a script thing. I, I think it was just an easy way to cut a loose end without having to have extra scenes or more yes. explanation. Uh, cause just say, I quit. Be like, that's an easy thing. That's believable at <laughs> least, whether it's the right thing or not. Um, I, I, I thought the son character and no slam to, uh, to Milo, uh, Ventimiglia, who is, I think an excellent actor overall. I, I just think the son character was a little underdeveloped. Um, I, I think it could have been a little more interesting, um, than what he actually was in the movie. He wasn't bad, but it was just like making him sort of the corporate punching bag character. I thought I, it wasn't. I never really bought it as much as some of the other characters' motivations. Um, so you're saying a character in a Rocky movie other than Rocky was underdeveloped? Well, but that's, that's, but that's a shame first, because John. I... No, but I think this this movie... This movie... Uh, let me say this. And, and I do have thoughts on other characters. This movie really picked who they wanted to develop. Because like I said, Rocky, great development. Pauly, great development. Mason the Line Dixon, totally underwritten character. Other than the... like. I don't get, he's just generic boxer. Like I'm not so now. Did he need to be that developed? I don't know. Was that necessary to the plot? I don't know. I, I kind of disagree. I, th I think Mason, the line Dixon was developed just the way that they wanted him to be developed. I mean, he was, he was a young scrappy athlete. He was very, very mouthy athlete. Um, and I think that's what the character they were going for. They were going for kind of like a um, trying to think of a good. I mean, really like a like a. I don't want to say a young Muhammad Ali because he didn't really seem no. like he had a lot of value. He, he, was, he, he was, was too mild. He was very cocky. He was no, very he was cocky. too mild. What I'm saying is, you have to remember the '90s moving on. You have the Mike Tyson's and the, these over-the-top characters in boxing. And this guy, I'm like. You know, they try, you know, like they paint him with like the, the flashy cars and the and the entourage and all this stuff, which was common at the time. And like, OK, I kind of get that's what boxing was at that time, uh, you know, the weigh in and all that, the press conference. But I'm like, this dude's too boring. Like, he's too mild. Like, if you're going to have like the mo Rocky facing the modern boxer, make him flashier, you know, make him more in your face. I, I, even at the press conference, he was like half asleep. I'm like, make this guy like get in Rocky's face. Like have him actually so you wanted be, a, him to be like, like Clubber Lang. I did because at least that's compelling. Even, even Drago had like something interesting about him where you're like, that dude's crazy. Like that dude's going to wreck <laughs> Rocky. This guy, I'm like, yeah, of course Rocky could kick his ass. Like I wasn't even convinced he was a good. And by the way, again, they spent yeah. the whole movie saying, yeah, he's the champion, but he's never really fought anybody good. Like I, I could kick his ass. It's like, what a weird way to <laughs> Yeah, those agents that. were pretty bad. They, 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 uh. It's very shady, shady agents. Yeah, like we can't find anybody to beat, like to fight him because he's too easy. Like it, it was such a weird way they set him up. Yeah. But by the way, it's um, almost like they needed, like, oh, it would have been awesome if they could have somehow done like a time warp where they could have gotten Michael B. Jordan mm. in the the Creed films to fight. 
I don't know, Rocky. Well, that would have been interesting. Part of it is uh, Mason the Line Dixon, played by Antonio Tarver in the movie, who is a boxer. He is not an actor. He is a real boxer. Um, he's held multiple world championships. Um, and I think, he, considering he's not an actor, I thought he did a really good job in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he certainly held his own. I think it was more of a writing problem. Uh, but uh, I was also going to say, uh, one other thing I did want to talk about was... This movie's so anytime Matt, we live in the era of the reboot of the franchise or the the long awaited sequel of a franchise. I would say Sylvester Stallone corners that between Rambo and Rocky. And one thing all of these franchises have to do are callbacks. Okay, you can never just have a new movie. You always have to do some kind of reference to the original. It was absolutely buck wild to me absolutely just insane that Marie was the girl from the first movie. How on, I wrote in here, monumentally (laughs) stupid was what I wrote and creepy. I wrote monumentally (laughs) stupid and creepy. It's like, you think Stallone's in a room like, gosh, you know, it'd be a great idea if I hooked up with the little girl from the first movie. Like, dude, I don't think they hook up. Do they hook up? No, they don't. Not not in an aggressive way, but you, but you know, it's, she's the love interest. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think she is. Do you, you. Did you. Did you interpret it that way? I interpreted it more of like a. He's looking out for her, like a little sister kind of way. I. I maybe. Maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe a I little mean, bit more than. Let me put this way. I think the I movie. The movie wants you to think your position. That's what I think. I think the movie wants you to think it's more of like a father daughter maybe kind of role or a little bit something like that. Um. But also they like go on dates and spend a lot of like time together close to like they never make out at any point. But that's just they just need a reason to have her be in the movie. Yeah. And I, by the way, I think she she visits his restaurant sometimes and then she gets well, a she, job. Yeah, there. She gets a job. there. I mean, the idea of Rocky having a female love interest and a female love interest with a son who Rocky can interact with. Great idea. Totally unnecessary to make it the girl from like, why? I think that might that would be. Having the love interest is fine, but I think it would it would be divisive because I think a lot of people would be like, well, what about Adrian? Oh, there's no Adrian. He can't move on on from Adrian. I think it would I think it'd be divisive. I would agree with it. I think that it's it would just show the like it's death is a part of life um, and that he you know, he he did grieve because he did sufficiently go to her like grave and stuff. Well, by the way, we don't have to show them having sex. Like, I'm not saying it's like he's like going to marry her. I'm just saying it, it could have yeah. you could have brought in a a female sort of because really I'm gonna be honest the only role Marie plays in this movie is telling Rocky he should go fight like she doesn't actually add a lot to the movement of the plot. Well, she she's another she's another she's like a more of a I think I think an analog to Polly right because Polly loses his job is down on his luck Maria has a job I think is a stripper. Absolutely not. Absolutely no? not. Did I get that wrong? You got that. He so- says something about dancing. About her dancing. Like, do you really, really like doing that? Is that really what you want to do? Come work at my bar. That and that's how they how she hires her to work at the restaurant. I think maybe okay, maybe not. Maybe she I works somewhere else. She I works, don't remember. She but works no, somewhere she's... very sleazy. She she works at a place of ill repute. Yeah, maybe she's like a bartender and- or something. It, they don't really, yeah, they don't delve as much into it. But she has a really shitty job. Yes. And she 
is in a in a bad way, and Rocky takes her under his wing. So it's again looking at how Rocky is like the like the center of this community, really. But you know what, Sean, I like I like your idea now about about how he didn't have to fight at the end of the movie. He should have run for office. This should have been like Rocky runs for mayor mayor of Philly, and like his new fight could have been like on the campaign trail or something. His 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 son could have quit his bad corporate job and worked as his campaign manager. Okay. Paulie would be in there too. As like, well, an like advisor his chief of staff, like something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think would that be a more fun movie? Hundred percent. Would I watch it? You bet. Would it be a good ending for this movie? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> he wins. He wins the election in a landslide, or I and guess it's the, just like a comedy equivalent. What would the Rocky equivalent of an election be? I guess like his Rocky usually goes the distance, but sometimes doesn't win. What is going the distance in an election? Like, well, no, I think it would just be in, the whole in a national election, like winning the popular vote but losing the national the electoral college. No, I just think what it would, would be it, like the whole movie. Everyone tells Rocky he can't run for office and he can't win, and then he t- tells him he can't, and then finally, like he makes it all the way to like election night and he loses by like one vote. But he's like, it okay. doesn't. It doesn't matter. We still made a difference. <laughs> what, what, was, what was the speech from the end of four where he's like, if I can change, you the can new, change. You and can it's change. like, you know, he just does the same speech. Drago comes back. As oh my like god, that's a, who's um, running against him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Drago somehow gets U.S. citizenship. <laughs> like, why are you running for councilman <laughs> in Philadelphia? Like, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, that that's the that is a hundred percent. I would see that movie. Definitely I would watch the hell out of that movie. Now, I will say for this movie specifically, what I think it should have been is just a dramatic look at what life is like as a retired sports figure and fighter, as a widower, as a single father, as a leader in a community. I think that's enough of a story without having a giant boxing fight at the end. And if we had gotten to the end of the movie where Rocky just comes to grips and says, "I don't need to fight." I fought and I have everything in my life. I fight for my community. I fight for my family. I don't need to get into a ring. You know, I think that would have been just as good of an ending. I think. But then it wouldn't be a Rocky movie. I mean, you don't set up the template for no reason. Well, that's that's just it. I, I think we're talking about a way to split the fan base. I think that's another divisive move. I uh, I think people go to Rocky expecting a Rocky fight, but it just I, I like it. I definitely am for it. I think it's it's it, it's the better. It's definitely the better story. But you know, because because then it's showing like I don't need to fight to solve my problems, and you know I can still kick life's ass without getting in a boxing ring. But it's not. I think a lot, especially a lot of the fans of Rocky from the seventies and eighties would feel betrayed. If that were the case. Well, but but then I just circle back to the hoops this movie has to jump through to make a fight between the current heavyweight champion and the old decrepit Rocky Balboa plausible is so yeah, annoying. I think a lot of people, it's a willing suspension of disbelief because it's a Rocky movie. It's but like, I, yeah, but of the course, thing is, it's a Rocky movie. Mine was not suspended. It was in full effect. I had a full <laughs> amount of disbelief because it was ludicrous that, first of all, the then versus now computer animation fight, I wrote in my notes here, can a computer simulation even do that? Like where you could just put in, I mean, I guess you can, cause you can do it with like Madden and stuff where you just simulate a game, but can you do it with like two individuals and like predict the entire, all the rounds of the fight? Like that just, and would anyone care? Now. 
I think you you definitely you absolutely can in 2020 in in 2006, probably not with a tremendous amount of accuracy. In my mind, what they did was they just played one of those boxing video games like the the Ring or whatever it's called, well, at Fight Night, and then they just they just like put it on simulation where they like they simulated Rocky fighting this guy, and then they talked about kind of like how the, right before the Super Bowl, the, right they have like the Madden simulations where they they have the two. Well, and, contenders going at it. I, I wouldn't have had a problem if they said the computer says Rocky would have won 71% of the time. Like, okay, I get how you might compute that, but like to to run on ESPN this intense simulation, and then by the way, everyone in the bar is like watching it, like, yeah, go Rocky. And I'm like, it's a computer. Why are you cheering? Um to, to me, that was just really silly. Um uh, and then the fact that that kicks this whole thing off where some like boxing exec is like, huh, interesting. You know, it's like it was just very silly. It was very silly. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I don't even know. I think that was just to show you that it was a new era or as as Rocky puts it, uh, he says, ah, nothing's changed all that much except maybe the clothes, which is a cool. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie. But um, I just wanted to throw that line in there um, because, it, yeah, he uh it should the computer program is just showing you that we're in the 2000s now i think that's really the only way they they could do it if other than because it he's the same he's in the same neighborhood uh everything else is pretty much the same except he's older and just to show you that this is a new era look at these computer simulations that show how hard a boxer can hit i have anything i wish they kind of lean into that more because then it shows like rocky as like really this old school champion of like i don't care what the computer says you know, I can I can still win a fight, even though I'm 60. I, I wish they had leaned into the analytics of boxing a little bit more, and there was even more doubt of like, look, all the we we run we ran like 20 simulations, Rocky, and you you lost them all, and you're old, and and not that the box, not that the the computer simulations, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. They showed that this would be a good match, right? They yeah, didn't it, show it went, that Rocky it went get the distance game. more or less. Yeah. Yes. They should have had another program that's that basically looked at Rocky, like the computer looks at Rocky and is like, "You're gonna get your ass kicked, well, but old, the, old man." But the problem with that, and that gives him more motivation no. to to train. No, because the problem with that is then there's what's the motivation to hold the fight? Because it's like, well, if he's gonna get destroyed in the first round, we're not gonna set up the Mandalay Bay with the big fight and all this stuff. Like, you have to have some sort of element of like. I guess he has enough of a chance to set up an exhibition, which is why it doesn't make sense he's fighting the current heavyweight champion. If it had been he's fighting another retired boxer, or it's like the uh, the Thunderlips exhibition fight, or something like that where it's like, okay, I could plausibly see him coming out of, you know, it's like it's Clubber Lang is back. Bring back Mr. T. It's like, a re- like for some reason they have a rematch. It's like, I don't know, but it's like just the plausibility of like, it's just bananas to me, but I guess for the amount yeah, of money he'd make, there wouldn't be the the conflict of young versus old. There wouldn't be the like, does he still have it in him? If he's fighting another old man, then you're kind of worried for both of them, and you're like, oh, we're gonna watch two old men fight. Where's the tension? There's an yeah, there's but... the tension here was like, will Rocky die? Will will that will this young guy actually kill Rocky in this fight? Because will his heart give out? He's an old man. Like he's he's getting older now. Like. 
there's some tension. But if, it, if it's two old men, you're like, oh, my God, I hope somebody stops the fight before both of these old men kill each other. Well, I know you say no one wants to watch a movie about two old men fighting, but you have to remember, Sylvester Stallone did make Grudge Match in which he, an old man, fights Robert De Niro, another old man, in a fight specifically where they're both old men. And it was a huge failure. So you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, did anybody watch that? Like, Nope, absolutely not. Um, now, let's talk about the fight at the end, um, because yes. while I didn't think it was necessary plot wise, this was shot in a way and and completed in a way that was very different from the other movies. And I don't know if you caught this. I just noticed this because I'm a total nerd about how movies are made. But one interesting choice they made was when they actually get to the fight. It's presented like it would be on television. The HBO graphics come in, the on-screen graphics. It's shot like it was actually on television, and it was actually shot with HD cameras, not film cameras. They shot it with television cameras. And so even like the frame rate and the look and style of it changed once the fight started. I thought that was so brilliant, because the one thing about all the other Rocky fights is they look like they were from a movie. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's the highly choreographed. This fight, for what it's worth, looked very real. Part of that, by the way, um, and this was part of the behind the scenes, is that they actually were throwing punches at each other. They were literally, in all the other Rocky movies, they never actually punched each other, or at least not very hard. This one, they purposefully, Stallone said, we have to actually hit each other. We're not going to put a single fake punch in every single punch you see on screen was actual strong glove-to-face or glove-to-torso contact. And I think the fight is one of the best shot for me of the entire franchise because of just it's how different it was and how real it felt. Yeah. Uh, going going forward also with the, the, I guess, the choreography of the fight, too, is the, um, in addition, there's the cinematography of the fight. I thought that was a really cool idea to fade the colors except for the blood and just like leave the blood, like, like emphasize that blood is red. Cause you get it also in earlier in the movie. Um, you remember the scene where Polly gets fired, uh, and, and everything is like drab. The it's color, color sapped. Everything is like color drained, drained from the point he gets the letter to when he enters the, the bar. Uh, and then when he enters the bar and the call and he sees Rocky, like the color comes back, uh, again, kind of echoing how, you know, co- symbolically Rocky is like the, the hope Rocky is hope in this movie, like is the embodiment of hope. Um, I, I, I thought that was cool. I, I wish that they had done something with it though. I wish that they well, had like maybe had the color in that. It would have been a, an inversion of that scene. Hear me out here. Like, like the color is faded except for the blood. And then he he looks around at the crowd who's cheering like Rocky, Rocky, and the color all of a sudden comes back as he gets like his his will to like his will to fight comes back basically. Yeah, um, I, I mean that was. I don't know. What's was interesting about the fight is they used almost three different filmmaking techniques. For the first couple rounds, they just shot it like a regular TV show, no editing, just short of a real fight. Um, up close, which, by the way, you don't see in the other Rocky movies. I mean, the cameras are right there like they would be in a real fight. The guy's ringside with the cameras. Then they go to, like you said, the sort of um, heavy color saturation play with the different things. And then after that, they actually do like an aggressive flashback montage. Um, 
where they use clips from the other movies and it's like it's intercut really like aggressively cut between different things. I wish they had just picked one. I didn't like that they used yeah, all three because it, it felt yeah, very I, confusing because uh, I'm like, you're right. I, the I color saturation was thing was cool, but mm-hmm. make that the gimmick. You know what I mean? Right, like, that, exactly. Yes, don't that, bounce that between the these because the all of a sudden you shoot the first couple rounds. It's like, this is so realistic. This is really happening. And then out of nowhere, it's like everything's black and white, but the blood. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, I got so right. confused. Maybe lean into into one of those one of those those. Um... One Styles, of those techniques, yeah. but not all of them. Not does doesn't need all of them. Um, or you know what else would have been cool if if he wanted to do the callback angle, maybe like when he all right he goes and he hits Mason Dixon, and as he hits him, uh, this is my like anime brain going into uh, like thinking of Dragon Ball Z. What they would have done in this, he hits Mason Dixon, and then all of a sudden a super cut of him hitting him hitting Clubber Lang. Him hitting Apollo Creed, him hitting Ivan Drago, um, just just one right after another, just like boom, boom, boom. That would have been cool. Like, and them all reacting in the exact same way. I'm sure you could have found a way that they all get hit so that it lines up in succession. That that kind of would have been neat. Um, but the like, I agree, like the cuts, the way that they did them, just kind of. Uh, it's kind of they were kind of jarring. It was jarring to kind of go from from scene to scene, movie to movie. Um, I guess they felt like because it's Rocky, that's what you, you do in a Rocky movie is callbacks to other Rocky movies. Like, um, but hey, how unfair was it? Um, talking about, I I, I said the uh, Rocky villains always get the short end of the stick. They never get any respect, even since Rocky won. When they walk into the arena, from the very beginning, the whole crowd is on Rocky's side. And, th- and like, then what's great is is uh, Mason Dixon seems surprised. He's like, what? Why aren't they cheering yeah. for me? I was surprised. And it's this like, guy's a heavyweight champion. He doesn't even have like five people rooting for him. Well, or even <laughs> like booing him. Like they just seem to not care about That's what's weird is like if he's a villain, make him a villain. People boo him. Yes. He doesn't give it. He flips him off. He doesn't give a crap. Like, that's great. I'm for that. But honestly, just nobody seemed to like him, which was very odd to me. The villain in this movie was society. I feel like that was the, the re- <laughs> like society. The villain age. in this movie was death. The I was going to say the inevitability of our own demise was the villain of Rocky <laughs> of Rocky Balboa. One of the best <laughs> of the franchise, I would argue. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one villain Rocky couldn't beat. Uh, yeah. Because he dies in the end. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, oh, Stallone would never let that happen. But it, but it's true. Yeah, the the whole the whole crowd cheering for Rocky when he first walks in. Which, by the way, um, I forgot the song that Mason Dixon walks into. But it's it's very. I I like the the song choice here. Um, being a baseball fan, I acknowledge what they were trying to do. The song that Rocky walks in um, enters the arena to is High Hopes. By Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Which And they make is a joke the, about it. Yes. Yeah, they do, because it's an old it's an older song. I think I think Mason Dixon like laughs a lot laughs at it or something, like this old ass music or something like that. Yeah. Um but the song High Hopes was popularized uh by the Philadelphia Phillies. It was it was a that became like almost their 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 mantra, their theme song. After the nineteen ninety-three uh NLCS, when the the, the Phillies won and then would go on to win the World Series. Um, High Hopes was became their theme song when the reporter Harry Kalis 
uh, drunkenly sang it in their locker room after a game. Um, it was actually their their play by play announcer. He like kind of snuck into their locker room and was was very clearly drunk. I think uh, inebriated uh, and excited for them having won. Sings the song to, with with all the the whole team, uh, and then it was reprised in 2008, which was just two years after this movie was made when the Phillies again won the World Series. Um, so it was it it was like their de facto theme. So it was it was a Philly song if ever there was one. So. I thought that was a good choice. Very appropriate for the for the venue. Um, the it, it almost like uh, you know it's 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 just if if you're ever gonna pick an athletic uh, Philly song there. Uh, I mean, it, I I I guess what I'm saying is I'm just grateful they didn't pump in "Gonna Fly Now" because that would have that would have just killed the entire moment Although- for me. I think I think from that point on I would have just been like. You know, this is this is lame. As, but as far as like tongue in cheek callbacks go, I might give them that one because that's so <laughs> like some a lot of the like another example in this movie that we didn't talk about and we'll breeze right past because there's more interesting things. But the fact that um, and I don't think without the internet I would have noticed this, but Spider Rico having a role in this movie um, as the down on the luck fighter who just starts working in the kitchen for some reason, who is the opponent from the first scene in the first movie is, again, so unnecessary, and nobody would have noticed, <laughs> if not for the internet, um, that, you know, a tongue-in-cheek thing like that, I think I would have I would have actually cackled at a little bit. Yeah, uh, that was a very, a very, um, a very, yeah, highly looked over callback, for sure. Um, yeah, only the deepest of deep cuts would have, would have appreciated that. Now, I, I will say, when you talk about the entrance and the fight, um, you know, it's just sort of a fun fact, but they actually... Uh, the fight itself, they didn't. But the scenes of him entering the crowd, enter or entering the arena, entering the ring, they actually shot prior to an actual boxing event at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, when the pyrotechnics go off, it, it is a full stadium before an actual fight, um, and they actually got the the entire real boxing crowd to chant Rocky, Rocky, um, and had Sylvester Stallone and the camera crew there, and actually actually walked him in and did the let's get ready to rumble and all that um, prior to an actual boxing match. So uh, again, that very realistic shot with the same HD cameras they shot the fight in. So um, <laughs> HD being new, then that's the only reason I I bring that up. Um, now, Matt, uh, the ending, Rocky mm. goes the distance, believe it or not, uh, and loses in a split decision. Now, Matt, did you know that they shot an alternate ending in which he wins the fight? Yes, I did. And Have I'm you, really glad that they did not use it. Did you watch it? It's on um, YouTube. I confess that I did not. I did not even want to watch it's it. It's so bad. <laughs> and I, part of it is because it was shot poorly. Um, it, it shot very awkwardly, and I think it was because they shot it in front of that real boxing crowd, and they had to kind of rush through it. But it's very awkward because they're both sort of standing in the ring, and then it's a lot of shots of Mason Dixon being like, "How did I lose? How did I lose? What? <laughs> oh no, man, I'm still the." Ch-. And then Rocky like also seems into it's it's awful. I'm so thankful they didn't use it. It was very yeah. badly shot. Well, one of one of my favorite things about this ending, and I I would I would go, probably go to bat for it being one of the best endings of the series, is that well, number one, he loses, which which it, it, you know uh, it it doesn't matter. That's the whole the whole point is that 
even by losing, he still wins because he's Rocky. And it's just like a, a mirror to Rocky one. You know, he goes the distance but do doesn't win the match. Even more so now, it doesn't matter because, you know, the city's behind him, cheering for him. And it, the I think the best thing that they did was not only does he not lose the match, but notice how he, he leaves the arena before the decision is even announced. Yeah. I thought that was so cool because it, it doesn't matter. In this case, it's Rocky versus the elements. People said he couldn't do it. People said he was going to die. They said he was going to get knocked out. And he he didn't. He he went the distance, so therefore he won. won. And he knows that. And that's why he the movie just ends with him leaving the arena even before the decision is even read. And the decision is read, and it's totally background. Because Rocky's happy. His son is happy. Uh, Maria's happy. Ever, the, all of Philadelphia is happy that he that he didn't that he that he went the distance well, and that, and he, that he did it and that they got more Rocky and, and that's I think sort of the visual difference is that you know we see uh, Mason Dixon in the ring with all his belts and his crew and all of that and the announcers and the camera and we see Rocky heading to the exit with his friends with his family and it does really tell two stories of different priorities and that Rocky proved what he came to prove he left it all in the ring. And and he truly is is moving on, um, you know, with with yeah. with his life. One element I thought the movie didn't quite land, which was interesting to me, is towards the end they kind of imply the idea that well, now that Mason Dixon has fought a real fighter and won, he'll be taken more seriously. To which I say he got his ass kicked by an old man. So no, I don't <laughs> think he. Who cares if he won in a split decision? He should have knocked Rocky out. I don't care if he's the two-time champ. They spent calling an execution, and he took him the distance. Uh, this is incredibly embarrassing for Mason Dixon. They should have had Skip Bayless come on afterwards saying that exa exactly what you said. This is embarrassing. Like a Stephen care. A. Smith type man and <laughs> yeah. just ripping him a new How one. How do you – yeah, I have a terrible Stephen A. Smith impression. But yeah, like, please don't. That would have been great. That would have been, that would have been, that would have been really funny way to end it. But – yeah, by him leaving, he's saying yeah, he's he's leaving it behind, but it, it, with a smile on his face, he came there, he did what he had to do, and uh, he, I mean, he look at the look at the message he sent to his son. Look at the the monologue with his or the um when he when he talks has that big speech with his son. He says to him that life will keep you on your knees. The important thing is to get back up and keep on fighting. He didn't say the important thing is to kick life's ass and win in eighteen rounds. He didn't say the important thing is to get a decision where you benefit, you know, where you're, you're the champion. He said it's to get up and keep on fighting. And that's exactly what he does in the fight, kind of like living that example. Um, I thought it was great. I thought that 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 moment definitely was was one of the best moments in the series. Him walking away from the ring and still feeling like a champion, appearing like a champion. Yeah, and of course the you know the closing shot of the film, Rocky uh, at Adrian's grave again, his son, uh, and he says, "Yo, Adrian, we did it, we did it, we did it. We got punched lots of times in the head and didn't die again." Of brain standing by we Rocky's old skill of just getting hit a lot, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that he had dangerous brain trauma in the fifth movie, but we just sort of ignore that. Um, the council, that council didn't ignore it. That count, the, the tribunal that he went before was like w the, the city board or whatever it was. And 
but he I, says something like, you know, you guys here oh, sitting I, at this I've table got this, here. I've got the speech here where he's talking about like the Bill of Rights, and he <laughs> yeah. goes, because if you're willing mm-hmm. to go through all the battling, you got to go through to get where you want to get it. Who's got the right to stop you? I mean, maybe some of you guys got something you never finished, something you, you really want to do, something you never said to someone, something. And you're told no, even after you pay your dues. Who's got the right to tell you that? Who? Nobody. Uh, and the speech goes, again, it's a good speech by Rocky. Uh, the fact that it works is, again, yeah. suspension of disbelief. <laughs> they, Come on. Come on. They all just look at each like, other you know like, you right. <laughs> you got it, brain-damaged old man fighter guy. You know, it would have been funny as if he says that, and then and he's like, thank you, I really appreciate it. And another thing, and then he just goes right <laughs> into that same speech he just gave. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, right, right, I'm right. sure a lot of you didn't know what to do. <laughs> just like repeats it on a loop. He's like, I, no, we, uh, we we said you could fight. Are you are you sure you're okay? Like, where am I? Where am I? <laughs> where where am I? Yeah. Either that, or I would have loved. I would have loved. And another thing, segregation worked, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, Rocky, whoa, 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 whoa. They all just start looking at each other. It's too like, far, Rocky. Uh oh. He's from a different time. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a great ending to the to the st- saga of Rocky before we move on to Creed. I, I think it's, I think it was a, a, a much better ending than five and an ending the franchise deserved. Yeah, and Ro- Rocky also, he fades out as he leaves, when he leaves Adrian's grave, confirming the fact that Rocky was a ghost the whole time. The real Smart. Rocky was in our hearts. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky <laughs> was killed in the first fight with Apollo Creed and he's been dead ever since. That would yeah. make sense. Um, Matt, I'm sure there's there's a fan theory out there. The credits, Sean. Um, that sucked. That was dumb. Did you not like that montage I, in the credits? I, I thought not, that was so cool. I thought that you was really didn't really, like the credits. No, I didn't. So first of all, I liked the the remastered "Gonna Fly Now." I thought that was that was that cool. was good. No, you Bill, like Bill Conti came back and did the music. I thought the music was really great. There wasn't a lot of it. I will say it was a very sort of score light film, which I liked. It played to the dramatic moments, but no, Bill Conti yes. did a great job. Minimalistic with the with the soundtrack. But you didn't like the montage of everybody in Philly running up onto the the the, the with the statue I, pumping it, their fists. So I would say my personal opinion is that the only shots that should be shown during the credits are bloopers. If you're showing bloopers during the credits, that's great. Otherwise, just play the credits. Like it was just really weird and unnecessary. Did you feel like they were trapping you in watching the credits? Yeah. I think sometimes that's what I it feel was. Like that. Well, I, I do Matt, feel like that sometimes. I always watch the credits. I was hoping there would be like an after credit scene with Rocky where he like he goes and meets up with yeah, Rambo so. to like form a Sylvester Stallone like supergroup. And then uh Nick Fury shows up and asks them both to yep, the, join the Avengers. The, the Sylvester Stallone Avengers. We have this initiative we're talking about. That would have been it would have been time for it, right? That would well no, it would have been a little early. Would have been a little early. Actually it would have been very early. Dang. Yeah, they could have yeah, started that whole trend Avengers in Hollywood. Been, yeah, that would have been that would have been. No, wait, that would have been the time for it because that was when you had like Iron Man. Am I or am I thinking of? Do I have my my All aughts right. mixed up with? Here my we go, teens? Matt. What year was Iron Man released in? Aughts and teens. I know this is your favorite game, Iron Man. I love two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Sure. You were close. Damn. Okay, that's still pretty good. So, that was and that was like the first one, right? Oh yeah. Uh, was, no, Incredible Hulk, Hulk might have been. 
the, with, the uh, Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. Edward well, that Norton. was that was yeah. also 2008, so they were both released that year. Okay. I think Hulk so was first. So it would have been two years off. Yeah. Unless unless Rocky was the first Avenger. So Captain, Captain America. We got spot. Iron Man. We got Captain America. We got Thor. And we got Rocky Rock Balboa. Balboa. <laughs> He's just there <laughs> like his butt. Bo- I'm ready to go, guys. A box of Thanos. Thanos, hey, co- you don't even know what did you. Come on, come on over to the restaurant. We'll have dinner. <laughs> um, Matt, this movie uh, went on to be a unexpected box office success. Um, it beat its expectations. Uh, it finished third its opening weekend, but it grossed $12 million and eventually went on to be Stallone's most successful starring role since 1993's Cliffhanger uh, and the sixth highest grossing boxing movie of all time behind all of the Rockies and Million Dollar Baby. The total box office receipt, $70 million, um, on a budget of about $25 million. So a successful movie. Certified oh, yeah. fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Matt, this is the part of the movie where I ask you to see how many of the top 10 highest grossing films of 2006 you can name, uh, uh while you you're going to allude to that, I'll huh? give you a minute to think about it. But while you're doing that, I am going to Google exactly where Rocky Balboa ranked that particular year, but I got to go to another website to do that. Um, let's see. I will warn you. I think I, I, I request, nay, I demand some um, hints early on because I've realized that years are not my thing. Remembering what happened in, in certain years, not not very big on that. Uh, so, Rocky Balboa was the 65th highest grossing movie of 2006. Um, okay. It beat such great movies as Lady in the Water and uh, Last Holiday, but it was beaten by films like Final Destination 3 and the um, King Kong. Uh, I believe the Peter Jackson one would have been that year. Uh, Matt, here are some clues for you. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six of them were sequels. Um, or later movies in a franchise. One of these movies we have talked about on this show. 2006 was, there was, I don't think there was a Bond movie movie that year. That wasn't Casino Royale, was it? It was Casino Casino Royale, Royale? 2006, fourth fourth highest grossing movie. I always think that was released in 2007 because it 100% should have been for the 007. And I still, to this day, can't figure out why. And it was November 06, so it was late 06. They still should have saved it for 07. 07. I can't can't fathom that. It's one of those irrational things that makes me mad. Because it would have been the perfect marketing. How do you not release... The reboot of the 007 franchise a year before 2007. The only 007 year. Yeah. And then if everything had just been, well, if it had been pushed up a year, then maybe they wouldn't have had to have delayed uh, No Time to Die. Maybe we could, we, we would get that on schedule. I don't know. Tragic. Um Let's see. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Uh, I'll give you some other clues. One, two superhero movies are in here. Of course, this is pre-Marvel, so keep that in mind. Was this this one of the Superman movies? 
Uh-huh. Superman Returns? Superman, Superman Returns, number nine. Returns, yeah. Bri- Brian Singer, um, Brandon Routh film. Two Not ki- bad. Was, uh, Kevin, was that the Kevin Space Spacey one? It was, uh, right? Yes, where he plays Lex Luthor, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three kids animated movies on here. Two were the first of their series. One is a sequel. One of them is a Pixar film. Uh, Toy Story 2. No. No, ah. it was the first in its series. Toy Story 2 was way before 06. Oh, Monsters, Monsters Inc.? No, that would have been way before. You, you got you to really fast forward. It spawned several sequels. Cars. cars. It was the first Cars, okay. number six. Um, mm. Let's see. Superhero. Uh, I'll give you another. Uh, the other superhero franchise, arguably one of the worst of the franchise, killed the franchise for a number of years before. X- it was- X-Men. X-Men, was it the, 3. X- X-Men, X-Men 3. X-Men 3, the last three. stand. Very good. Um, there is a uh, there is a live action kids movie on here. Um, also spawned a success sequel, big success out of nowhere. Live action kids, kids comedy, movie. fantasy this comedy. Is too late for Spy Kids. What? It is too late for Spy Kids. You're right. <laughs> this one's a little more grounded. It stars Ben Stiller. Oh, um, not not not, not dodgeball. No. Ben Stiller. More family friendly. Yeah. Night at the Museum was what we were looking for. Oh, I was not going to get that. No. That was, um, yeah, this is yeah. taking forever, so okay. I'm going to fast. There is, a, there is a Mission Impossible movie. You know which one it is? Mission Impossible 5. 3. You're very bad at this. Um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, number 10 was A Happy Feet. Um, which surprisingly made a lot of money. Then Superman Returns, Mission Impossible 3, X-Men The Last Stand, Cars, Night at the Museum, Casino Royale, Ice Age, The Meltdown. Um, The second in the franchise was the third that year. It's amazing how much money those movies made. I mean, just stupid money. Uh, That's a really good question. I will find out here, uh, because that was also Blue Skies. Let's go to their filmography. People, people, you would think people in the mid-90s. Oh, no, that wasn't. That was DreamWorks. Mid-2000s. You would think people in the mid 2000s would have been starved for like computer generated anime, like kids movies about animals. But there were a lot of them. You would think they were starved for it because so many people went to go see the Ice Age movies inexplicably. Like they were the only that's the only game game in town. Yeah, I, I think right around people them, just really love Ray Romano that much. That was when it was sort of it really started to spin up. Like it took a while for everyone to catch up to Pixar and like by 05, 06 stuff just friggin exploded. Um, in terms of CGI animation, yes, Madagascar was 05. OK, it was 05. So, so right before this. So this was right. DreamWorks, uh, Blue Sky, all right in that time. Number two, a Tom Hanks movie. Um. Oh, just a quick side note. Madagascar, as far as I know, is the only thing David Schwimmer has done since Friends. Are, are you going to take that back? Because I'll Google it. I don't think it's real. I, I just, in my mind, that's the only thing he's done since Friends because he, he basically disappeared off the face of the earth since then. Uh, I'm sure he was in other stuff, but it's the only thing that I can immediately think of. Actually, you're... <laughs> you're <laughs> Oh no, he did he did do seven episodes on Will and Grace in 2018-2019. Uh Oh, the new Will and Grace. Okay. Yeah, oh, and he did the other uh, People versus OJ Simpson, which he was very good in. 
as Robert Kardashian. Oh, yeah. That's right. He played the, the Kardashian lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was and good. Yeah, in people that. did say that. They said he's very good in this. Yeah. Yeah, he got nominated right. for like yeah. awards for that. Yes. All right. Um, okay. So, so, so Madagascar is not the only thing. But honestly, his, his 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 filmography is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's, it's bad. Um, it's pretty much that he needed money because I guess the friend's revenue dried up. Or he's just bored. Point. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Number two is the Da Vinci Code. No, that was not the Tom Hanks I was going to guess. I was going to guess the Terminal, Terminal Sean. I, think people, I thought this was the year for the Terminal. <laughs> I think people just forget was he that? was in that. Terminal was 04, so a little bit earlier. This is really bad, Sean. I have not seen the Terminal. That's not the really bad part. The really bad part is what I'm going to say next. I always thought that the Terminal was about a man with terminal a terminal illness. The Terminal. Who, was, who happened to also but, live in an airport. Okay, I was going to say. Been a much, come on, would that not have been a much better movie? It wouldn't have been. But I just give you credit because I was so afraid you were not going to include the airport part and be like, I thought it was about a dude with cancer. And I'm like, but like all the posters had airplanes on them. And like the yes. trailer, he There's was in no an airport. I... <laughs> like, like yeah. you just thought, no, I thought it was just like one scene in the movie. And I thought he was like in a hospital and other. Um, yeah. Just had a suit on and was ready to go. And then finally, yeah, the number every, one. No, every scene I, I, him in, is him in the airport. Matt, but, the number one movie of 2006, the third film in cinema history to gross over $1 billion. It is the 35th highest grossing film of all time. The second in this franchise, one of the biggest franchises of the, of the, uh, early, t- of the early 2000s. We are talking, of course, There are five about films in this franchise. 2006. All of which were massively successful. We are talking about the Return of the King. No, Lord of the Rings. No, I think you're no. too late for that. I think that was earlier. Too late for that one. Uh, Return one of might... the King was 2003. You're you're definitely too yeah. late. Three, three years off. No, there. the first okay. film in this franchise came out in 03. The sequel in 06, and then they kind of blasted them out after that. The it's a it's a Disney franchise. But live action, sort of a live action, sort of an action comedy fantasy. I mean, one of the biggest franchises of the time. Wow, I am. uh... It's the 14th highest grossing film series of all time, in fact. Wow. Makes me want to watch this movie. I, I can't think of what. I mean, I can give you clues it, that'll give it away. No, just all just right. Give more me, more give clues me that would give it to you. Clues. More vague, vague, vague it up. Well, that's kind of tough. Um, <sighs> give me a line from the movie. No, because this again, this movie—it's it, it, a very, it's a genre. I mean, it's a very certain type of genre film. It was for families, high adventure. I would describe it as. And this was the first in the franchise? This was the second. The, this was the second oh, in the franchise. The, se- the second. Okay, yes, the, the first second. was 03. The second. This one outgrossed the original. The, the original was a huge, out-of-nowhere success. Like I said. Which year did this first one come out? First one was 03, then 06. Um, it is uh, highly correlated with Disney. Directed by Gore Verbinski, who did most of these. I have to say that the 
the live action is what's throwing me. It, I can it, think of you're going to feel so dumb when you hear quiet, this. This is a very quiet era for Disney. I thought the aughts for aughts animation. It was, for animation. It was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like for for animation, it was. But again, this was a shocking success. The first one. Nobody oh, yeah, thought it yeah. was going to be as good as it was, and it spawned five movies. They actually took a break. The oh, Sean, the Pirates of the Caribbean we're talking about. Yes, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's yes. Chest. I told you you'd be mad when I yes. told you what I it was. I always forget it's a Disney property. Yes. It made $4 billion, that franchise, just at the box it office. Did. Massively successful. Hugely and successful. I, every, all the movies after the second one were terrible. Yep. Terrible. Yep. Like, abomination. And even the second was yes. fine. Yes, and the second, I was going to say, the second was passable. The first one was good, though. I did like the first one. I'll give it that. The first one was very good. That yes. was fun. But I, I liked, I, you know what? I, I even, even I like the fourth one a little bit. I feel like it's more of a guilty pleasure. They have moments. I mean, I think, I think the moments, third yeah. one even has moments, but they're just kind of repetitive. Uh, but but I also feel... Pirates of the Caribbean is always the one I point to as an example of a movie I like, but can understand why it's universally hated. Well, I sort of feel that way about the first Transformers movie, which I think it's a lot of crap, but I actually think that's a... I mean, the sequels are garbage, but the first Transformers movie I actually liked and think is, like, solid for the genre it's in. I don't think it gets its due. Sean, I've never seen a Transformers movie. Oh, we... I think I've mentioned now, this on the okay. cast before, but... I'm going to say this right now for the record. Our next live commentary should definitely be the first Transformers movie. That okay. would be fantastic because it is bonkers and stupid and it's michael bay explosions i I love it Mm -hmm. that's a good idea uh so anyway that was our film trivia i hope someone found it interesting uh matt you've really got to study up on your box office knowledge i think next time well i was gonna say the one in the hosting seat oh you want to quiz me for what year did creed come out because that's our next movie is creed creed came out in 2015 Oh, 2015. Wow. It was more recent That's than much that. much later than I 2015. Yeah, I, I mean, I that would have was... been... But you're, the, the thing is, it's only going to get easier because 2015 is solid Marvel territory. So whatever the Marvel movie was oh, that year man. is going to be the the first Avengers maybe would have been. No, I think that would have been a little before no. it. First first Avengers was like 2009? No. No, 20... I think it was like 12. 12. Yeah, 12 sounds like a safe... That sounds safe. The Avengers was 12, yes. Um, 12. And so this would have been... But this would have been, yeah, this actually probably would have been Age of Ultron. I think right around there is probably yeah. my guess. And that was a huge thing. So anyway, That's a good guess, but Tron. a good tease. We will be talking about Creed next week. We're barreling towards the end of our, our Rocky watch through here. Uh, hopefully it's been as much of a hoot for you as it has been for us. We hope you come back and join us then. Of course, our website is upfordebate.tv. You can check it out there. Listen to all the past Rocky episodes if you're just getting caught up. I think they've all been interesting in their own right um, and definitely worth listening to. Of course, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts and you can talk to us at Up for Debate TV on Twitter or email us up for debate TV at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this week. We're going to be back next time with more Rocky adventures. But until then, he's Matt. I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.